Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Perhaps you saw the kerfuffle, scuffle, dust up on Twitter. Maybe you didn't because you have better time, better things to do with your time than read Twitter, which is probably a good thing. But it was between Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro. That's right. Candace Owens, uh, fire-breathing conservative commentator from The Daily Wire, and Ben Shapiro, whatever his position is, editor-in-chief, I don't know, of The Daily Wire. Of course, Candace Owens is married to a traditional Catholic named George Farmer, and she is currently proving her submission to her husband in a traditional Catholic sense by being constantly pregnant for the last three or four years. All joking aside, I know fertility is not the same for everybody, but just trying to be a little bit funny here. And it does seem like she's going to be crossing the Tiber pretty soon. I don't think that's very far off, if I'm being honest. She sounds like more of a trad than a lot of trads. <laughs> um, and then there's Ben Shapiro, who's a Jew, and he's very proud of his Judaism. He hates identity politics unless it's about Israel and Palestine, and then you are racist if you disagree with him. So, they're dust up. What was it about? Well, we're going to get to that in just a quick second here. But first, I'd like to say thank you to all those who have signed up as subscribers. There's no such thing as a free lunch, as they say. There is time and money that goes into producing these things, and thank you to all those who help keep the lights on. If you'd like to support the show, you can sign up through the premium Substack subscriber option to be a paid subscriber in the link below. And if you don't want to be a paid subscriber, but you just want to sign up for the Substack, go for it. And uh, there's lots of stuff there for free for you. And also you can sign up through YouTube memberships for as little as just a few bucks a month. And uh, thank you to all those who support the show. So what actually happened between the two? Well, let's look at the tweets here. Now I'm not going to read all the tweets because I don't know, that's just annoying to read a Twitter fight all the way through, but Candace Owens tweeted the following. And I guess there's some, there's probably some context to this, but Whatever, this is what she tweeted. She tweeted, The Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and the, uh, she and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, both God and money. Then she put, as a response to her own tweet, Christ is King. Well, Ben Shapiro got a little bit upset. He said, Candace, he retweeted. If you feel that taking money from the Daily Wire somehow comes between you and God, by all means, quit. And she said to him, goodness, it sounds like a, anyway. She said, you have been acting unprofessionally and emotionally unhinged for weeks now, which is true. And we have all had to sit back and allow it and have all tried to exercise exceeding understanding to your raw emotion. But you cross a certain line when you come for scripture and read yourself into it. I will not tolerate tolerate it. I guess Ben Shapiro has been um, reading himself into scripture. I don't know. But the point is, is I think Candace Owens is trying to say here, uh, this whole war hawk rhetoric, this, this, this push for money and power and so forth, this is antithetical to the gospel. And this represents sort of the spirit of the Daily Wire under Ben Shapiro in her opinion. And I couldn't agree more if I'm being honest, at least in the way he's been acting lately. And so I tweeted uh, about this because, you know, why not? And I tweeted... Um, Ben Shapiro is an unbeliever, and since he is not baptized, he will not be saved unless he repents of his blasphemies against Christ and joins the one true holy Catholic and apostolic church. Christ is king. Now, interestingly, while most of the people have understood what I was saying, when you say things like someone will not be saved, unless, obviously you're speaking in the general, uh, that there can be some sort of invisible membership to the church, not in the the sort of uh, liberal Hans Kunian sense or whatever, but in the sense of 
you know, some baptism of desire of someone dying as a martyr or those sorts of things. Okay, that we understand that those things have been long understood by the church, but we're not talking about that here. We're talking about actual membership of the church by somebody with knowledge of the church. Ben Shapiro has said many anti-Catholic things. Historically, he has made comments that are blasphemy, the way that he's talked about Christ. You know, he's talked about him being a common criminal and arrested for his crimes and executed. You know, in fact, let's just listen to a quick snippet of something he told to Joe Rogan. Point of view, where we don't believe in the divinity of Christ. I right. think that the, there you can make an argument that the the Gospels, which were written, he was just a prophet. In, right? Significant? No, no, no. We don't uh, even believe he was a prophet. What do you think he was? What do you guys? I, think I, I mean, I, what I what do I think he was historically? I think he was a Jew who tried to lead a revolt against the Romans and got killed for his trouble, just like a lot of other Jews at that time who were crucified mm. for trying to lead revolts against the Roman and got killed for their trouble. So he became legend and story, and it became a bigger and bigger deal as time yeah, went on. Yeah, he had a group of followers, and then mm. that gradually grew and then do you think there he was, was resurrected a, no that's not that's not a, a jewish belief okay i just want to check yeah no we're, we're not into <laughs> you're not, we're not into the miracle stories no that's, that's no? Not, no you don't have any miracles no not, not not by jesus right no? they're they're ones There's in the, the old testament ones? yeah you've got moses splitting the sea and all that what do you think happened there what do i think happened there yeah well i'll go with the maimonidean explanation that there was a, i mean it says in the bible there was a strong east wind uh, so there was a naturalistic explanation for a physical phenomenon well, there you go. Ben Shapiro is not even really a Jew in the sense that he believes in the supernatural reality of the religion. Furthermore, he's also a liar. And there's a part there that maybe you caught it and he was trying to say the Gospels were, were written. And maybe he said this other places in the interview. I don't listen to Joe Rogan because uh, most of what he does is shameful. But um, maybe uh, you caught there. He, Joe Rogan was interrupting him as he was trying to say that they were written significantly. And then he stopped and he said, he's a prophet. He said, no, no, no kind of thing. He was going to say significantly later on, which is a lie. Uh, that's not true at all. And then you also see that uh, Ben Shapiro is trying to explain away even the miracles in the Old Testament. Ben Shapiro does not believe in miracles. Ben Shapiro is a functionally an atheist. He is a, he's essentially has the same beliefs as a Freemason. Uh, in the sense of what he believes about the supernatural. He believes that there is a God who is sort of the governor of the universe and that all things here have a naturalistic explanation. He believes in many ways like the watchmaker God. Um, he's a rationalistic, anti-supernaturalist. He is a modernist. If you follow Ben Shapiro's theology, if you're a Christian, you will become a heretic because it's called being a modernist. So Ben Shapiro is anti-Christ. That's what it means to be against Christ. Ben Shapiro is anti-Christ. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to be this scary figure from some dystopian novel against Christ is anti-Christ. And so let's get back to this Candace Owen thing. So Candace Owens tweets, Christ is king. And then our good friend, uh, Taylor Marshall, he jumps in the mix as well, as many of us did. And he tweeted the following. He tweeted, I'm praying that Ben Shapiro finds faith in the only true king of the Jews and some woman, I guess she's a Jew, Pretty conservative. I, I don't really know who she is. Bethany Mandel uh, says she's a homeschooling mom to seven kids. So God bless you for being, or six kids open to life and all that. That's great. Co-founder of something called Write Books for Kids. I imagine that's something to do with not teaching kids woke books. Co-author of best-selling book, Stolen Youth. Generally speaking, seems to be pretty conservative. But anyway, she tweeted, this is anti-Semitic. So according to, and this was, I should say, um, uh, Taylor Marshall had retweeted Ben Shapiro's tweet about Candace being able to quit the Daily Wire if she wanted to. He said to Candace, or he said to Ben, I should say, he said, I'm praying that Ben Shapiro finds faith in the only true king of the Jews, our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, 
Again, this is what this woman said was anti-Semitic. Another commentator piped in. This is a woman named Lauren Chen, who is Canadian. She's Christian, but uh, not Catholic. And she said, is all Christian evangelism and prayer to come to Christ bigoted or only when it's toward Jewish people? Anyway, this is very illuminating. According to Ben Shapiro, or so according to the Jews out there who are, you know, friends of Ben Shapiro, it is anti-Semitic to pray for the conversion of the Jews. It is also anti-Semitic, according to many of these people, to pray that or to say that Christ is king. This is insane. And also, I should add, many Christians believe this. Um, I tweeted that tweet I said about, you know, um, the, you know, he has to become Catholic or whatever. And, um, and someone said to me that, uh, you know, how dare you say, you know, who's damned, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying I know who's damned. I'm saying the normal means of operating. And basically these Catholics are espousing a dual covenant theology. So we're going to kind of break that down here and show why the Jewish religion cannot save you. The Christian, the Christian religion, the new Testament supersedes the old covenant, and you must follow this lest you lose your soul. And here are a host of verses, as well as quotes from saints and catechisms and things like that. Even, uh, I think Pope John Paul II, even, uh, not known for these fire-breathing kind of quotes that seem kind of traditional, but he had something. And this is an article from Catholicism.org and written by Brother Andre Marie. Lots of great stuff there. It's called The Heresy of Dual Covenant Theology. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to go to the meat of it. So he has a quote here from John Paul II. And he says, uh, John Paul affirmed the traditional teaching in a not much quoted passage of Redemptoris Mater. And he said, Christ fulfills the divine promise and supersedes the old law. So there's no more old law. So how can you be saved by the old law if there is no more old law to have? And here are some important quotes from scriptures and from saints and other sources. So in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 18, we read the following. There is indeed a setting aside of the former commandment because of the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law brought nothing to perfection, but a bringing in of a better hope by which we draw nigh to God. So, what is this saying? It's saying that the law itself could not save. The law itself was a prefigurement of the law to come, of the new covenant. And there has been a setting aside because of its weakness and unprofitableness. Therefore, it can't fulfill the purpose. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9, uh, it says the following. And here it says, Then said I, Behold, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish that which followeth. In the, in, uh, in, the, in the which will we are sanctified by the oblation of the body of Jesus Christ once. So, uh, the former is superseded. The following is from 2 Corinthians, and it's chapter 3, verse 14, and it says, But their senses were made dull, for until this present day the selfsame veil, in the reading of the Old Testament, remaineth not taken away, because in Christ it is made void. But even until this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. So what he's saying here is that the Jews who will not accept Christ, they can't even understand the Old Testament, and they don't understand that the veil must be taken away in order to understand that the new covenant is the way forward. If we go to uh, Hebrews chapter 8, which is an even more uh, explicit understanding of this. And here it says, this is Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7. 
For if that former had been faultless, there should not indeed a place have been sought for a second. So, what he's saying here is, um, and well, the next verse says, For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days shall come, saith the Lord, and I will perfect under the house of Israel and under the house of Judah a new testament. Not according to the testament which I made to their fathers, on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my testament, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the testament which I will make to the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will give my laws into their mind, and in their heart will I write them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So, the New Testament is the way forward, the Old Testament is revoked. This is pretty clear from the scriptures. In addition, we can look to the book of Colossians. Colossians, however you pronounce it. And I'm going to read here, this is chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 11. It says, In whom also you are circumcised with circumcision not made by hand, in despoiling of the body of the flesh, but in the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in whom also you are risen again by the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him up from the dead. And you, when you were dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he hath quickened together with him, forgiving you all offenses blotting out the handwriting of the decree that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he hath taken the same out of the way, fastening it to the cross. Taken it out of the way, taken the same out of the way, the handwriting that was written against us, meaning sort of the, the, the law that could not save. Okay, uh, this is another verse that we can point to. Furthermore, we can look to Pope Pius XII and Mystici Corporis, paragraph 29, and he says very explicitly, the New Testament took the place of the old law, which had been abolished. But on the gibbet of his death, Jesus made void the law with its decrees, fastening the handwriting of the Old Testament to the cross. This is an interpretation of that verse I just read, those passage I just read. The Catechism of the Council of Trent says, the people aware of the abrogation of the Mosaic law. Okay, the abrogation of the Mosaic law. The Council of Florence says that the matter pertaining to the law of the Old Testament of the Mosaic law although they were suited to the divine worship at that time, after our Lord's coming had been signified by them, ceased, and the sacraments of the New Testament began. You cannot be saved by the Old Testament. Council of Trent, again. Um, sorry, that was the catechism of the Council of Trent before. This is the actual council. But not even the Jews, by the very letter of the law of Moses, were able to be liberated or to rise therefrom. Now, this is from Cardinal Ratzinger, not always known as being the arch-traditionalist, especially when he was Cardinal Ratzinger. Many of the proponents of Pope Benedict, I'm just going to say, you've got to look into who Cardinal Ratzinger was because they're almost like Jekyll and Hyde compared to whatever. Anyway, Cardinal Ratzinger said, thus the Sinai Mosaic Covenant is indeed superseded. This is from a book called Many Religions, One Covenant, page 70. This is St. John Chrysostom. Yet surely Paul's object everywhere is to annul this law. And with much reason, for it was through a fear and a horror of this that the Jews obstinately opposed grace. Homily on Romans chapter 6 verse 12. And so while no one annuls a man's covenant, the covenant of God after 430 years is annulled. For if not that covenant but another instead of it bestows what is promised, then it is set aside, which is most unreasonable. Homily on Galatians chapter 3. St. Augustine says the following. Instead of the grace... Of the law which has passed away, we have received the grace of the gospel which is abiding, and instead of the shadows and types of the old dispensation, the truth has come by Jesus Christ. Jeremiah also prophesied thus in God's name, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. 
observe what the prophet says, not to Gentiles, who had not been partakers in any former covenant, but to the Jewish nation. He who has given them the law of Moses promises in place of it the new covenant of the gospel, that they might no longer live in the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of the Spirit. This is from St. Augustine. And finally here, we'll look to something from St. Justin Martyr. Now, law placed against law has abrogated that which is before it, and a covenant which comes after in like manner has put an end to the previous one. And an eternal and final law, namely Christ, has been given to us, and the covenant is trustworthy. Have you not read? By Jeremiah concerning this same new covenant, he thus speaks, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So, we have here many different citations from scriptures and the church fathers and saints about and catechisms and councils. It is Catholic teaching that there is no old covenant that is still salvific. If you hold to this view, this is heretical. And there are many people who hold to this view because this is a stupid evangelical Protestant nonsense. It's basically part of dispensationalism or something like that. Um, if you want to know about dispensationalism, go check out a video that Taylor Marshall did a while, a few couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. Uh, they're the Dispies, they call them the Dispies. That's where you get a lot of this nonsense about the rapture and so forth. And the old covenant is no longer binding. You cannot follow the old covenant. You cannot do the rituals of the old covenant and be saved. It will not save your soul. You can only save your soul through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ established a church. It's the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. If you blaspheme against Jesus Christ with knowledge of what you're doing, which Ben Shapiro has, like we heard in that clip, you will lose your soul unless you repent and join the church. And you can't just join the Baptist church down the road. You can't just go and, and, and join the mega church. Those are not real churches. They may have real baptism because baptism can be done by a lay person, but they are not real churches. They're heretical schismatic sects. You have to join the Catholic church. Again, people are going to say to me, you don't know the heart, Kenny. Again, individuals in the mercy of God, et cetera, et cetera. Do they have a perfect act of contrition? I have no idea. But we speak by what we know to be certain. We go by what we know to be true. We know that if you do X, then Y will follow. If there is an exception to X because of some way of understanding that's different than the normal way, then that's not for us to decide. But normally speaking, if you're someone out there who is saying it's anti-Semitic to say these things to, to Ben Shapiro, you're saying that the New Testament is anti-Semitic. And I want to say this to the Jews out there that maybe some of them will listen to this. If you're saying things like the, that saying Christ is king is anti-Semitic, you're saying that the scriptures that Christians believe in are anti-Semitic. So you got to follow this logic here because this is what feeds into the, the global conspiracy thing about the Jews running the whole conspiracy, the antichrist, blah, 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 blah. We do believe it's pretty certain that the, the antichrist will be a Jew, but relax there. People call me an, an, an anti-Semite. That actually just makes perfect sense because if he's going to be the ape of Christ, then he has to show he's the Messiah and Christ is a Jew. And, you know, obviously he's going to be a Jew. That's, that's the only way he could show himself to be the Messiah. In any case, um, if you're someone out there saying that these scriptures are anti-Semitic, which is what you're doing when you say Christ is king, the logic of that is that Jews believe, like Ben Shapiro said, that Christ is not even a prophet. He's just some guy who died. You know, God be praised that that's not true. Um, and forgive me for even uttering these things that sound like blasphemies. Um, so if that's what you believe, then you believe that Christians are worshiping a dead man. You believe that Christians are idolaters that you have to, unless you don't believe Judaism. And then if you don't believe Judaism, then, then what are you even doing? But if you believe Judaism, you believe that Christians are worshiping a man who is dead. You're, Christians are 
are basically pagans. I mean, they're the Gentiles. And you believe, if you believe the Psalms, which I think we can both believe, that the gods of the nations, which is the Gentiles, are demons. This is King David saying this, Psalm 95 or whichever other number, depending on your translation. By the way, if you're a Jew and you want the whole Old Testament, cross the Tiber because you don't have the whole book, but that's another story for another day. In any case, if you believe Christians are worshiping a man, you believe that they're just idolaters, which means they're demon worshipers. So by denying the New Testament, you are implicitly saying that Christians do worship uh, idols, which makes them some sort of demon worshiper, which is bad enough. Um, and then to say that because they want you to join their demon worshiping cult is anti-Semitic, you're basically accusing Christianity of being not only anti, not only demon worship or idol worship or Gentile, you know, uh, the God, the, the God with a small G paganism, but you're also opining or implicitly saying that it is inherently racist. Not only are you an idol worshiper, not only are you a demon worshiper, not only are you a pagan if you're a Christian according to this Jewish perception, you also are a bigot. Imagine that. If you want to have some better press for the Jewish people, then maybe be a little more careful with your words than say, uh, you know, it's anti-Semitic to want to convert Jews. This is insane. It's, it's also unreasonable. I was listening one time to uh, Glenn Beck was telling a story and he was talking about an atheist friend of his, Ben Pendulet. He's some atheist yokel, but anyway, some famous guy. And he was saying how his friend Penn Gillette said he was offended when evangelical Christians didn't try to convert him. And Glenn was like, why are you you're offended about this now? Thinking it was some liberal thing. And he said, no, no, no. I believe you believe what you believe. I believe you believe that Jesus Christ is the savior. I believe you believe that I have to believe in him in order to be saved. And if you don't want me to believe in him, then I don't think you love me. God did use a jackass in the Old Testament to prophesy truth. I love to say this. A donkey, that is. Relax. Benjolette was right. If you actually love someone who's a non-Christian, atheist, Jew, whatever, then you will want to make them Christian. Otherwise, do you really care about that person? If you believe that they're going to be tormented in eternal hellfire, if they don't believe in Christ and baptize and all those sorts of things, then you should probably tell them. I mean, think about, this is the funny thing. Think about all the energy people put into trying to get others to take a COVID jab. <laughs> Imagine if we put the same energy in trying to get people to become Christian. And this is another thing, so, total side note as well. When people say things like, oh, in the church, we can't just go back to the old mass. Yes, we can. We can do it in six months. You want to know why? Because I saw with the energy behind the COVID stuff, which wasn't even to do with the soul, the church was able to make, to transform literally every church in the world within a matter of weeks and literally transform the liturgies and do, you know, what seemed like insurmountable things to make sure that they could have these COVID compliant worship services, blah, 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 blah. If you can do that, which is not even part of God's will, this is not like you're restoring, this is just some stupid hysteria you got caught up in, Bishop, sadly. If you can, if you can do that, then you can have people learn how to say the old mass within six months to a year. That's just the fact. Anyway, I think I'll end closely here, but Candace Owens is right. Christ is king, and Ben Shapiro spreads a belief system of the Antichrist. It's anti-supernatural, it's anti-Christian, and his supporters who believe that it's anti-Semitic to say that 
Ben Shapiro should be Christian, should be Catholic, and that Christ is king for those who believe that that's anti-Semitic, you are propping up. Ironically, you probably are trying to be the kind of person fighting against this idea that there's a global Jewish conspiracy, et cetera, et cetera. You are doing the most to actually spread that idea. Those of you defending Ben Shapiro in his blasphemies, you are doing more work than the quote-unquote far-right skinhead to spread the idea of the global Jewish conspiracy because you are saying the quiet part out loud. You are saying it is anti-Semitic to try to get Ben Shapiro to be Catholic, which means you think that the scriptures that we believe in aren't only false and would be, by definition, idol worship, demon worship, pagan worship. You believe that they're inherently bigoted towards the human race. You are feeding into the belief that people have, that they believe that Jews believe this, that Christians are goyim, that Christians are just cattle. Because the way that the logic of what you're saying feeds into the idea that Christians are basically just worse than the dirt under your shoe. That's the facts. Follow the logic through. Ben Shapiro loves to say facts don't care about your feelings. Well, put the facts together. And I really couldn't care less about your feelings. All right. Hopefully I don't get kicked off of YouTube. This has been the Kennedy Report. Until next time, God bless.